nice to see everyone uh, this morning. It's good to, uh, we have some visitors with us this morning as well. Um, before we uh, get into Second Peter uh, this morning, I, I don't know if you saw the slide prior uh, to services this morning, but I usually leave it up until after the prayer so that if you want to take down what the reading is for next week, you can. Um, I think I forgot to put it in the bulletin this week. That's my fault. Um, but uh, our reading for next week is going to be First, Second, and Third John, as well as the Book of Jude. Don't worry, it's not a whole lot, right? Uh, but um, next week we're going to be um, looking at Jude uh, in our Sunday morning sermon, um, and starting this evening we're going to be starting a series on the books of the the letters of John, First, Second, and Third John. Um, and uh, that's going to take us um, several weeks, um, as I normally do on Sunday evenings. But uh, it's going to be a deep dive uh, into what I'm calling John's love letters. Um, it's a very, uh, there's a lot of stuff in First, Second, and Third John, um, of course, circling around the major theme of love um, and also addressing um, issues with um, false teachings, um, Gnosticism, and we'll talk more about that as well. Um, so that's a little teaser. Hope you can join us for that uh, Sunday evenings as we gather together at 6 p.m. Um, as we do every week. Um, so this morning, uh, as we uh, turn our attention to Second Peter, if you if you want to turn over there, if you haven't already, um, we're looking at um, a man, an apostle, a former fisherman, who is nearing the end of his life. He's aged. Uh, and so he's sharing some perspectives, some things that um, I think apply to us today. Of course, they apply to his audience then. When a, uh, when a person faces impending death, their mind usually turns to thinking about the things that are most important to them. I recall a story that was shared at Polishing the Pulpit of a man who um, was in hospice care. Uh, he was in his... Uh, he was in his bed, and beside his bed there was a nightstand, and in his nightstand there was a drawer, and in that drawer he had several CDs of sermons. Now he was not a preacher that I know of, but these were sermons that he had requested from preachers that he had heard from many, many years of his life. And whenever somebody came in to visit him, he would of course thank them for their visit, and he would encourage them, as we're talking about in our Sunday morning class, and then he would roll over and he'd reach into that drawer and he'd grab a sermon and he'd hand it to him. He'd say, go home and listen to that and the next time you come in, let's talk about it. And he did that for the last few days of his life. See, the thing that was most important to him was the good news. It was making sure that whether or not the people that were coming to see him were Christians or not, that he was taking the time to share the good news with them as best as he could. When Jesus knew his death was imminent, he prayed. In John chapter 17, his prayer reveals that the unity of the believers was of great concern to him. And from our text this morning, which Dave just read, it is evident that the Apostle Peter knew that his time on earth was also short. So what sort of things were on his mind at this time? What were the things that he thought were most important? And there are several things I think we can glean from this passage. And again, we're going to look at these and call them Peter's Perspectives. Ah, I missed an S. Peter's Perspectives. I got all the P's in there, though. 
So his first perspective is on the need to be reminded. And this concern uh, was that he did not want to be negligent in reminding them. In verse 12, um, he says, I always intend to remind you of these qualities. He thinks it's proper that they be reminded. He even takes steps to ensure that they are reminded after his death. He says in verse 15, he says, And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. See, frequent reminding can stir up. As we're talking in our uh, Sunday morning class right now on being encouragers, learning how to be a better encourager, which I think all of us can probably use refreshers on. Not that I'm not encouraged by you, but I think it's something that tends to go by the wayside, something that we don't really think about very often in our lives, is being an encouragement um, to others. Sometimes maybe we find ourselves in places in our lives where we feel like we need encouraging, and then we kind of get stuck there, right? But Paul's reminder um, is that uh, you know we need to be encouraged. His concern is not a reflection on their present condition, though, right? In verse 12, he says, he says, uh, though you know them, these, these qualities he's talking about, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, right? They have the truth. They have the knowledge of these things, but they need reminded of them. It's, it's not as though they don't know what they should know, but it's, it's that they should be constantly remembering what they know. There's always the need to stir up. The Greek word here is um, diagairo, which means to wake fully, um, to arise, awake, to stir up. Now the tendency is for one to become lazy or inattentive sometimes in their service to God. Again, we get into ruts or we get into routines in which maybe the things that we do, maybe even the worship that we attend week after week becomes routine. It's a checkbox, right? I got to go to church this Sunday. I got to take the Lord's Supper. Then I'll be good. Then I can go about my week. But are we doing it with the right mindset? Are we doing it with the proper goals in mind? And again, these are things that we need to be awoken towards, right? We need to be stirred up. We're reminded. And so Peter talks about um, ways that we can be reminded. If you look back at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, I've preached on this several times, but I think one of the ways that we can be reminded is frequent assembly with the saints. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There's that stir up word again. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging, there's that word, one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Stir up and encourage are important aspects of why we gather together. It's why we gather together on Sunday mornings. It's also why we gather together outside of our worship assemblies, why we have fellowship meals, why we get together at other people's houses, why we go visit the sick, why we, why we go visit those who may be in the hospital to encourage and stir up one another, to love and good works, to encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's one way that we can be reminded or stirred up. And another way, as Peter 
points to. He makes every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Daily Bible study is a wonderful way to be reminded of the things that we know. Well, what are these things, right? We're going to talk about that here uh, in a few minutes. Another perspective that I want to point to that that Peter talks about is an important one, and I think it's one that, that a lot of people definitely think more about as they're ending the end of the, nearing the end of their life, um, and that is um, the body and death. Um, the body, Peter says, is a tent. That's what um, Dave's translation said. My translation, the ESV, just says the body. However, the Greek, the Greek word that's there does point to um, an earthly dwelling, what the Greek word means. It means a tent or a tabernacle is, is what it's kind of pointing to because originally when um, the tabernacle or the tent was established by Moses, and, and uh, it was actually a tent, right? That was the first tabernacle um, in which the Holy Spirit um, resided in. And it, in Peter's view here, uh, this earthly dwelling or tent is where the soul lives. It's, the, um, it's a temporary dwelling uh, for his inner man, all right? Um, and other translations may um, allude more towards the soul. Um, and that soul is what continues after death. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And this is Jesus talking about the body and soul. He says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, Jesus' words there tell me that the body is just a temporary dwelling place. Don't worry about what they may do to your body. Worry about your soul. Because that's what continues on. Brenda and I talked about this a little bit this morning. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the body is the soul. And it's not a housing for the soul. Right? They, they think that the body is the body, and this is what continues on. But it's the soul, Jesus says, and Peter also, as he alludes to this inner being that is residing in a tent. Paul's concept of the body was the same as Peter's. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul goes into this a little bit deeper. In verses 1 through 8 there, he says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's not talking about your home that you live in. You know, he's talking about the tent, the dwelling in which the inner man lives. If it is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see the imagery that Paul paints there. Very similar to what Peter feels. And again, these are all teachings of Christ as well. These are inspired teachings by inspired apostles. And so, if the body is a tent, then as Peter says, death is a putting off of the tent. 
right? Peter speaks uh, of his impending death in verse 14, of which the Lord had showed him. And this is a possible reference, some believe, to the conversation that Jesus and Peter have in John chapter 21, uh, verses 18 through 19. But what Peter describes here, he describes it as a putting off of my body, or I must put off my tent. Again, this reflects his view of the body. The tent is just this shell, right? If you've ever been camping before and had to sleep in a tent and a big windstorm come by, you realize how useless a tent really is. I also want to point you to the grammar and the words that that Peter uses. He uses the the term soul as I, and he uses um, the tent as my tent, almost as like a possession, as an object. But he refers to himself, the I, as the soul, which I thought was very interesting. In further describing his death, he uses the Greek word exodus. Sound familiar? Exodus, of course, means an exit. It is used figuratively to mean uh, death, uh, or decease, a departing. Uh, the ESV translated, translated it as um, my departure in verse 15. An exodus. Of course, it's the same word that's used in the Septuagint to describe the Jews' exodus, Israel's exodus from Egyptian bondage. And so Peter does not view death as an end. He sees it as an exit from one world to the next. It's a putting off of the tent, and as Paul describes, it's one in which we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So now, our our fear or apprehension surrounding death can be lessened, hopefully, if we adopt some of these perspectives that that Peter has in view of the body and of death. It can certainly help keep things in proper perspective. And so finally, let's look at... um, One last perspective of Peter, and I think this kind of pulls everything together, and that is Peter's perspective as to what is really important. Right? The body, not important. What's important? It's the soul. And what influences and builds up that soul? What encourages the soul? What are we to be reminded of that he keeps talking about? Now, twice Peter refers to these things. If your translation is is like that, you will have these things uh, in verses... Um, 12 and 15. My, my version has these qualities in verse 12 and these things in verse 15. But it's the same, same phrase, right? He refers to these things twice. I intend always to remind you of these things, verse 12. And in verse 15 he says, I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. What are these things that Peter is so concerned about? And the answer is already up there. It is growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we know that that's the case because if you read the verses before, verses 12 through 15, Peter explains exactly what these things are. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Does anybody hear the fruits of the Spirit in that? Verse 5 again, For this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith. When we talk about supplements, right, you're adding to, you're trying to build up, right? Supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. Knowledge means studying, learning more. None of us will ever come, I believe, to a full understanding of the will of God. Because it's His will. But we have His Word. We have the instruction manual that we can study and that we can learn from and we can use as the guide in our life. That's what we should be using to supplement our faith. Uh, Verse 9. 8, sorry. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in verse 12, where we started, I intend always to remind you of these qualities of these things those are things that we need to be constantly reminded of we need to be reminded of the things that we need to do and and need to put into place to supplement to grow our faith and he says those who lack those qualities are unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord and jesus lord jesus christ Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Right? Salvation comes at baptism, right? We we receive salvation when we become a disciple of Christ, when we become a follower of Christ, and we obey him and are baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. But our faith doesn't end there, folks. Faith begins there. At baptism, actually, it starts before baptism. You have to have faith before you even get into the water. And then faith continues and you have to grow in that faith. You don't go out into the water and come out magically knowledgeable of everything that you need to know in life. No, you have to study. You have to learn. That's why new Christians should should do everything they can to supplement their faith with knowledge to grow. Because as the Bible says, they are babes in Christ, babes in the faith, that they need milk, not meat. Babies need milk in order to grow up and eventually eat meat, unless you're a vegan. You get the point. We have to grow in the knowledge. We have to work. We have to do these things to the best of our ability to grow in our faith. Peter knew that his time on earth was short, that his death was imminent, And in what little time that he had left, he wanted to remind them of what was most important. Not just to him, but to every person in the world. Even his last words in this epistle come back to this theme. 2 Peter 3, verse 18, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We can't assume that we have all the knowledge necessary to be the Christian, be the disciple, be the follower of Christ that Christ intended us to be. So how can we stir up one another? How can we learn and be reminded, again, by assembling together, by studying our Bible? And sometimes that's personal, and sometimes we can do that together as well. And if I can encourage you this morning to come to our Sunday morning Bible class on encouragement. I've already read a couple of the chapters, and it's really good. And I'm really looking forward to this study. But here, as Peter wraps up and as we wrap up this morning, it is evident that growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ is defined by Peter here in verses 5 through 11 and again at the end of his letter should be of utmost importance to the Christian. Other things are certainly important and they have their place. Things like the identity, organization, work, and, and worship of the church. Those are things that we should absolutely study and learn about. But we should also be growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the priority for the growing Christian. And it should be that whether you're a new Christian or an old Christian, and I'm not talking about how old you are in the terms of years on this earth. I'm talking about your age in Christ. Peter was concerned about these things still at the end of his life. Peter, an apostle of Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who had the knowledge. Right on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and they gave them, he gave them the knowledge that they all needed. And they began speaking and, and teaching the gospel of Christ, teaching about the things that we need to be knowledgeable about Jesus Christ. And still, he encourages and reminds everyone. And, and the, the people that, uh, that uh, Peter is writing to, there may even be apostles that are receiving this letter. And I'm sure at some point, another apostle received this letter and was reminded and encouraged to do the same. Because we all have that responsibility and we all have the need to be reminded of them. What a privilege it must have been for those Christians in the first century who were around Peter as he uh, ended the, uh, neared the end of his life to be able to sit at his feet, to listen to the words of encouragement that he provided, the words of warning that he gave, of course, as well, to receive counsel from one who knew our Lord intimately and served him long and faithfully. You know, when we think about trials and tribulations, boy, did Peter go through them. Peter faced some really difficult times, some dark times. In fact, we read about some of those dark times in Scripture. And sometimes we can look at those things and go, man, how could Peter be so dense? How could Peter not understand that Jesus had to die on the cross? And Peter said, no, no, Lord, surely that can't be you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus called Peter Satan. That's not a good feeling, right? That's a dark place to be in. And of course, we all know what Peter did in denying Christ as well. But nonetheless, he overcame those things. And we'll talk tonight about the Apostle John and some of the things that he overcame in his life, thanks, uh, thanks to Christ. But fortunately for us, Peter was indeed careful to make every effort 
so that after his departure we may be able at any time to recall these things after his exodus. And we have that reminder in his letters. The Holy Spirit decided that it was important for these words to be written down and for them, of course, to continue through time as well. Let's allow his reminders to stir us up this morning. Let's allow his reminders to remind us, those of us who are Christians, that there is always a need for repentance and forgiveness. Because that's what Jesus taught. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Of course, the kingdom of heaven is here now, and it is in the form of his church. And if you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, may you take that opportunity this morning to repent and obey the commands of Christ to be baptized for the remission of your sins. If we can assist you in any way this morning, be it through baptism or study or prayer, we want to be that that encourager for you today. If we can do any of those things, won't you come now while we stand and sing?